Hello everyone, Pastor Kurt here. And Penny Benda. Welcome to uh, today's devotion. It is Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Um, we're going to be reading from different translations today, but the readings come from the Revised Common Lectionary Daily Readings, and you can find a link to those in the show notes below. We also have printed there the readings for today. If you wanted to pause this and uh, go ahead and look those up before we continue, I do encourage you to follow along in your own Bible. Whatever translation you have is just fine. Uh, so today is Ash Wednesday, and so there are, uh, if you were to look at that link that is posted in the show notes, uh, you're going to see many, many, many different uh, scripture passages today. We've chosen two, uh, two of the scripture passages that we're not going to have in our Ash Wednesday service tonight. So if you are a member of our church, um, uh, we'll be, we will not be using these readings that we're going to be reading today in our Ash Wednesday service, but they all kind of uh, pertain to Ash Wednesday. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Ash Wednesday today. Um, as well as as look at these two passages. So we might be a little bit longer than we normally are uh, during this podcast for Wednesday, but that's kind of where we are. So um, I think I've covered all of those things. So before we continue, let us pray. Oh, loving and gracious God, we pray that you would open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear all that you would have us know as we contemplate, reflect, and read these passages. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so before we do other readings, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about Ash Wednesday. Um, and I have uh, here um, our uh, United Methodist Book of Worship. And uh, so I'm just going to read to you what it says in here about a little bit about what Ash Wednesday is. Ash Wednesday, of course, is the start of Lent. Um, and Lent is a, well, I'm just going to read it and then we'll just go off of that. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, it says Lent. Lent is a season of 40 days, not counting Sundays which begins on Ash Wednesday and ends on Holy Saturday. Lent comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Lenten, which means spring. So uh, kind of Lent is, is kind of a, a spring festival. Um, and then uh, the season is a preparation for celebrating Easter. Historically, Lent began as a period of fasting and preparation for baptism by converts and then became a time for penance by all Christians. So early, in the early, early uh, early church, like the first several hundred years, um, baptism uh, and and acceptance into the church, because it was so early, you know, you didn't have, usually have children, and so it was really adult converts mostly. And so mm -hmm. this period of Lent was a time where they would go through kind of adult confirmation, if you will, and then on uh, Easter Sunday is when they would be baptized and welcomed into the life of the church, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. So you might you know, I've never done a baptism on Easter, but some churches do, and there might be that opportunity to do that. And, mm -hmm. and it's a really appropriate thing traditionally to do that on Easter because you're celebrating the risen Christ. You're celebrating uh, being raised into new life with Christ through that baptism. So it's highly symbolic. Mm -hmm. All right, so then it continues here. Um, Ash Wednesday emphasizes a dual encounter. We confront our own mortality and confess our sin before God within the community of faith. The form and content of the service focuses on the dual themes of sin and death in the light of God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ. And so with the idea then, because Lent is that season of preparation for Easter, um, Lent is typically a time when we uh, reflect on our own faith, um, 
you know, that's why Lent, you know, we typically will, will do some sort of a fast, give something up for Lent. You've probably heard it's a way of denying yourself and, and, and re-entering and re-engaging in your faith with Jesus. And so um, Ash Wednesday is that moment where we confess our sin, we recognize our mortality, we recognize our sinfulness, and we begin the journey from that dark, dark place into the light of Christ through the resurrection. And so um, it's just kind of this, you know, circular thing. So, uh, and then last thing here goes on, it says, um, the use of ashes. Uh, so uh, Ash Wednesday, you know, the time when you get the ashes on your forehead. When I was growing up, that was always a Catholic thing. <laughs> so when people, um, I would always see my my Catholic brothers and sisters who would always, you know, they, they I think it's the Catholic churches, I don't know what they do here in town, but they would usually have that service early in the morning. And so then they would wear that cross on their forehead all day long. <laughs> so it says here, the use of ashes as a sign of mortality and repentance has a long history in Jewish and Christian worship. And the imposition of ashes can be a powerful, nonverbal, and experiential way of participating in the call to repentance and reconciliation. This practice is the historic focus of Ash Wednesday observance and gave the day its name. It is uh, traditional to save the palm branches from the previous Passion Palm Sunday and burn them ahead of time to produce the ashes for this service. So, did you? what did you think about Ash Wednesday? Do you have questions? Well, that answered my questions, because first of all, I wonder where the ashes come from. <laughs> you know, and I probably did my first Ash Wednesday service so few years ago, I guess. Pastor Chuck had it. And so I didn't understand it. Mm. I didn't know what it was. I came because it was you know, something mm -hmm. that they were doing, and I wanted to go through it. Mm -hmm. So now you've explained it a lot better. Now I, <laughs> <laughs> now I know more. But I did take and watch uh, ladies, two ladies do a videos, and they were talking about where they got their ashes from, and mm -hmm. they were even talking about human remains, and I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> no, well, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the difference mm -hmm. between. <laughs> yeah. No, but they were talking about burning the previous year's palms to take mm -hmm. and make it, so... So yeah. now I understand that, where that came from. Yeah, I was sharing with Penny before we started here that um, I, I did save our palms at our church from last year, um, and uh, I need to figure out a better way of burning them. Because the one other time I've, I've actually burned the palms, I used a lighter fluid to light them, because if you just light the dried leaves, they don't burn very well. And, um, and so I thought, well, let's get this thing going. I don't have all day long to burn these. So I put a little bit of lighter fluid on it and they burned really well, but then the ashes, they smelled like lighter fluid. And so I couldn't use them. So I ended up buying some ashes from Cokesbury. Cokesbury's our yeah. denominational bookstore. And so because we don't use a lot of ashes during Ash Wednesday service, I've had these same ashes for years and years and years. And so... Yeah. Um, I'm, I think I might try, you know, tomorrow though, we'll see if I have time to try and burn those, and see if I can't get it to work without them stinking. I'll bring the fire blanket. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Ash Wednesday. Um, it's really, it is really kind of a powerful, uh, worship service. Um, we're, uh, we're going to have our Ash Wednesday service tomorrow at five o'clock. I mean, in the evening, uh, um, or sorry. We're recording this the day before, so we're having it tonight at five o'clock. <laughs> and uh, of course, this is also Valentine's Day and uh, Valentine's. Uh, so that's kind of where we're having it at five o'clock so that hopefully, you know, people will have an opportunity to go out on a date if they wanted to after that. Mm -hmm. You'll just have to go on your date with the cross on your forehead. Exactly. Yeah. So. 
Okay, um, so let's look at our passages then. I think I'm going to start. Uh, we've got two. We've got one from uh, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17, and then Isaiah 58, 1 through 12. And uh, they, they both really kind of follow this theme of repentance and turning back to God. And so we'll see that as we read these. So I'm reading out of the Common English Bible Translation, as I normally do. And so this is Psalm 51. For the music leader, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him just after he had been with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin, because I know my wrongdoings. My sin is always right in front of me. I've sinned against you, you alone. I've committed evil in your sight. That's why you are justified when you render your verdict, completely correct when you issue your judgment. Yes, I was born in guilt, in sin, from the moment my mother conceived me. And yes, you want truth in the most hidden places. You teach me wisdom in the most secret space. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and celebration again. Let the bones you crushed rejoice once more. Hide your face from my sins. Wipe away all my guilty deeds. Create a clean heart for me, God. Put a new, faithful spirit deep inside me. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Return the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways and sinners will come back to you. Deliver me from violence, God, God of my salvation, so that my tongue can sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. You don't want sacrifices. If I gave an entirely burnt offering, you wouldn't be pleased. Broke, a broken spirit is my sacrifice, God. You won't despise a heart, God, that is broken and crushed. All right, so the the heading of this, or the kind of the prologue, I guess, to this passage talks about uh, this in the context of uh, the King David, um, who most of these psalms are attributed to. Um, he had uh, this big in, indiscretion with Bathsheba. And you might remember the story. It's uh, You can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 14. And this is the story, of course, when David is stays back from a war that's happening. He stays in his palace to do who knows what. And he sees this woman, Bathsheba, um, bathing on the top of her roof. Um, and he, you know, has to have her, apparently. So he basically sins against her. He cheats on his wife. Um, he has uh, Bathsheba's husband killed on the front lines. And so he's basically done a really bad thing. My commenta commentary here says... He broke at least half of the Ten Commandments by what he did here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and so that's kind of the context of this passage. And so or the first part of this is really 
you know, have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love, because he, he wants mercy from God. And Nathan, the prophet Nathan, Nathan calls him out on this. Um, and so now he's asking for forgiveness. One of the things that always strikes me about this psalm, it's a really amazing psalm, uh, is, uh, is verse 4. It says, I've sinned against you and you alone. I've committed evil in your sight, and that's why you are justified when you render your verdict. And my initial thought is, you've committed sin against God and only God? Well, what about Bathsheba? Uh-huh. Yep, and her right? husband that he had killed. And uh-huh. Yep, yep, I wondered that too. Yeah, um, and so, yeah, he did a bad thing there. But, um, and then the other thing here too is uh, verse 5 um, really kind of talks about this concept of maybe like original sin or um, this idea that we were born sinful because of Adam and Eve's indiscretion in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had a conversation about this yesterday in Bible study as we're looking through the Romans and, um, we were talking about, uh, sin and, um, original sin. And, and one of the things is if you go too far down that road, then it makes one feel like you're, um, a bad, just innately a bad person that all humanity is innately bad. But then you look at passages like Genesis chapter one in the creation story where, God created humanity and called it good. And so in Genesis, we we can see that humanity was created good. So mm-hmm. isn't that part of it? So I don't know. I, that's always one of the things that's, that I've struggled with in my faith is that this concept of original sin and how much of, um, how much of that plays a part in our lives. Are we, are we truly born sinners? born sinners or is there just something... I don't know, in us that causes us to want to seek ourselves rather yeah. than God. I don't know. Well, like you've said over and over, free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we were born to be sinners. God wanted us to be a part of him and a group with him. And mm-hmm. I don't think he wanted us just to go out and sin. But he also wants to give the choice. Mm-hmm. So, and free will plays a big part of that. But as long as you always come back and repent, mm-hmm. I think that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also, you know, like uh, psychology and, you know, psychologists talk about how much of our um, of our actions are are built into our DNA or how much mm-hmm. of that is learned. You know, I, I think, um, or like you think about uh, uh, like um, psychopaths and, and those types of disorders, you know, where were they born that way or did they somehow learn that? And you think about serial killers. I like some of those, <laughs> those true crime shows on TV and, and, no. and they're always, you know, kind of like, well, you know, why did they do that? And right. that's, that's one of our mm-hmm. things that we usually ask when there's a crime, a violent crime is why, what, why did that happen? What was yeah. behind that? Or when the person goes out and commits a mass shooting, you know, why right. did they do that? Well, was there something in their childhood that made them do that? Was that something innately born within them? Um, right. You know, I don't know if we'll fully have that answer on yeah. this side of heaven. I don't think we ever will. Yeah. The you scriptures just don't wake up and say one morning, "Hey, I'm going to go out and do all this." I wouldn't you know? think I so. Just, yeah. No. So. But um, I, don't know. I was just wondering. I was looking yeah. at this though, and was this before he had her husband killed, or is this all kind of wrapped up together? This is the, you know, the adultery, then the getting rid of her husband. Is this whole thing take care of that? Um, you know, that's a 
That's a good question. I, I didn't go back and actually read 2 Samuel 11 through 12 before I looked at this. We could certainly look through it. it the, the prologue here says, um, when the prophet Nathan came to him just after he had been with Bathsheba. So, so that's what I was, I was thinking. Yeah. Did he get all his sinning out of the way, the killing of her husband and all that? If my memory serves me right, pre-log. which it might not yeah. <laughs> serve me correctly. Yeah. I seem to think Nathan came to him after. After he killed. After her. he had killed okay. um, her, her, her husband. husband. Um, okay. And what's his name? I'm. I was going to look that up because I was curious too, but I'm, not Uriah. It's. Uh, I feel like it's just on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, we yeah. Yeah. we don't want we don't want you to be on this podcast for too long. Otherwise, <laughs> I just go and look it up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts about this passage? There's so much in here. Well, 17 was kind of sticking mm-hmm. out at me. It says, My sacrifice, O God, is broken spirit, a broken and contrite mm-hmm. heart. You, God, will not despise me. So I made a little note over here saying, A humble heart pleases God more than sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So he is sorry for his transgressions. He wants to be forgiven is yeah. the whole thing that I get out of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does have a humble heart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we get to the Isaiah passage, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you yep. if you all come to the Ash Wednesday service tonight, um, in Joel, and uh, the Joel reading in Joel, it talks a bit about this idea, too, of just, uh, you know, God wants you to be sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> for the things that you do. I remember when I was uh, a kid, um, I didn't go to go to church much as a child, but my dad you know, he had the most influence on me for faith. And I remember asking him, um, you know, so, so you can just ask for forgiveness and do whatever you want and then ask for forgiveness. And then it's, it's, it's all good, you know, and that's one of the criticisms we oftentimes hear about Mm -hmm. Christians. Yep. And he, uh, he says, well, son, you have to mean it. Right. right? Yep. Of course we make mistakes, but to have a contrite heart, (laughs) right, to have a broken spirit, yeah, you don't do it, then turn around, do it again, and then repent again, and then just keep doing mm-hmm. it. You're supposed to be truly regretful for what you did. Right. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of weird, too, that you could pray and confess, mm-hmm. and then it was to go away. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You have to work at it. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I'm sure you all have had somebody uh, do something, something bad to you, or maybe somebody has said something insensitive to you, like a spouse or something, and... Um, and they ask for forgiveness and they have to prove to you, they have to show you at least that they're sorry for what they did. And right. and I'm sure you've had folks who have come to you and apologized who, mm-hmm. who you could tell they weren't really sorry. And so you, you, you don't want to offer them forgiveness if they're not really sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That husband has to take you out for Valentine's Day supper. <laughs> That's right. how he's going to do it. <laughs> so any of you out there who are married <laughs> or even just dating, have a significant ever. Don't forget to bring flowers or something, <laughs> yeah, or a card at least or something. Don't forget <laughs> your significant other tonight, <laughs> yep, uh, or exactly. you will be in trouble. You'll have to exactly. do some apologizing. Exactly. Yes, you'll have to come before them with a broken spirit. <laughs> yep, as a sacrifice to your spouse. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's look at our next reading. It's Isaiah fifty-eight one through twelve. And Penny, I think you're going to read that one. So yeah, and mine's in the NIV version. Okay. And the heading says, True Fasting. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. 
They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strifing and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen, to lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of your yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wandering wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear and then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in half of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. All right. Uh, there is so much really good stuff in here. Um, and a lot of this, when I read this, I'm, I'm imagining God just really, uh, he, he gives a lot of rhetorical questions in here, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, verse two, um, uh, you know, well, they seek me day after day. They desiring knowledge of my ways, like a nation that, so he's like, they all come to me asking for all this stuff. Um, but when you do, then what do you do? Um, you come to me asking for good things, but then you do horrible things yourselves. Mm -hmm. Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and you brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. So you go and you're about doing all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something we all struggle with, I think. We, we come before the Lord in prayer and praise and honoring God. And then we go out and we dishonor God through our actions. And I think that's really kind of the big crit criticism we have here. At the very beginning of this passage, God's like, you know, you honor me with your lips, but your actions say something completely right. different. Yeah. And that's a big criticism we have in the, from those outside the Christian church, that we Christians are hypocrites, that we honor God with our lips and we say, love your neighbors, you love yourself. But then what do we do when we get out into the world? We judge people. We, you know, we cause all sorts of harm. In Go this back world. to your same ways. 
Yeah. Yep. And then the rhetorical question, he, he says a couple times, he says in verse five, is this the fast that I choose? A day of self-affliction, of bending one's knee like a reed? And so what basically what they would do is when they wanted to act sorry, right, they would, um, you know, you've read this probably several times in the passages, you know, they'll tear their, their cloak, right? Mm-hmm. Or they'll, they'll sit in, in ashes and sackcloth. And or they'll do all these these outward appearances to show that they're sorry, but outside of that, it, it's not the mm-hmm. case. And then he says in in verse six, um, another rhetorical question. But isn't this the fast that I actually choose? I don't, I don't want all the I don't want the sacrifices. I don't want all this lip service. What I really want is for you to to release the wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated, breaking every yoke. Um, isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house? It's almost like God saying, well, you know this, you know what you're supposed to be doing. It's what it says in the 10 commandments. It says this in the laws, you know what you're supposed to be doing, but all you're doing is giving me lip service. Right. Um, you know, I always thought of fasting as the day that when you didn't eat at all, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And I think that is part of it that you fast and meditate and humble yourself and mm -hmm. self-deny yourself. That's the way I always thought of it. Yeah, and I think really what he's talking about here is is not s fasting specifically, but using mm -hmm. fasting as an example of a religious action of devotion to God. And so it could be fasting or offering sacrifices, and we see that in other parts of the scriptures too. But um, but you're right though. Fasting is a, is a moment of self denial. It's when it's one way that we can reconnect with God. And fasting is a big part of of the Lenten season. Mm -hmm. And and so like you know Catholics give up meat on Fridays, um, but they they're allowed to eat fish. And I, that I don't quite understand. Isn't isn't fish meat? I don't know. But at any rate, <laughs> fish was also one of their main foods though too. Yeah. So that might be part of it. But you know there are other things that we fast. Um, uh, in fact, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight, one of the things I'll be doing is inviting you all to, to fast from something. And when you fast for something, though, it needs to be something that truly set, helps to separate you from God. So if there's something that takes a lot of your time um, that prevents you from, from really connecting with God, that's something you kind of need to lay aside so that you can reconnect. And I think it was Sunday's sermon I talked a little bit that's about nice this. Kinda... Like, like your cell phone, you know, how many of us are addicted to our cell phones? And I don't think I said it in my recorded sermon that you all watched here, but I think I said it in Imperial, you know, how many of us, um, you know, are <clears throat> sitting at the stove cooking dinner and you're waiting for the water to boil and you just, you can't stand the, the, the fact that you're just standing there with nothing to mm -hmm. do. So what is the first thing that we do? We pick up our phone and we scroll through social media or we right. look at pictures or whatever we do. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, after you said that, and yeah, it was in the sermon, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I do spend a lot of time with my Bible and stuff, like in uh -huh. the morning and stuff. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so what can I give up? Mm -hmm. What can I get rid of to make my more meaningful? I'm still thinking on that, by the mm -hmm. way, because <laughs> I don't know. I do spend an awful uh -huh. lot of time in this because I want to learn. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good that you're doing that. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think you... Well, I don't want to give this up. Right, no, right. No, um, but I do spend a lot mm -hmm. of time in it, so. That's good. But, yeah, I probably could give up maybe that that game that I play. <laughs> 
the New York connections that I never mm -hmm. win, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think it's also important to remember that, you know, self-denial, which is really what fasting is, it's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't mean that you have to give up all your joys in the world, right. right? It just means that there are certain things that we lift up, idols, if you will, that we do lift up um, that become more important, uh, like, you know, being obsessed with sports or being obsessed with, you know, uh, some people read a lot or a big thing now, and I think I mentioned this too on Sunday, is, you know, binge watching TV shows on Netflix or, mm -hmm. or Paramount or whatever, all the different streaming platforms that yeah. they have now. Or um, spending money. Or spending money, right? Well, you always um, want something, you buy it. Maybe, maybe that's what I need to yeah. give up. Just give up any kind of frugal purchases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, my sermon this coming Sunday, I'm going to be talking about um, a differences between needs and wants as part right. of our um, Psalm 23 sermon series that I'm starting this week. And we're looking at the first uh, verse of Psalm 23, which is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so, what do you want? Wants and needs was what we'll be talking about. Okay. All right. Um, anything else about this passage? Nope. All right. It's been well explained now. Yeah. So, in recap, don't give God lip service. Glorify God with your actions, not just your words. <laughs> yep. Sounds All right. good. So, um, let us, uh, we're going to spend some time in prayer. I'll be lifting up some prayer requests or categories of prayer. And then uh, after each prayer request, there'll be a moment of silence for you to lift up your own personal prayers to God. And then I will say the words, Lord, in your mercy. And you will say, uh, hear, Lord, hear our prayer. And then we will close together with the Lord's prayer. So let us pray. Oh, loving and gracious God, we are so thankful for all that you have placed upon our hearts today through these readings and reflections. And we bring now before you those things that are heavy on our hearts. And we begin by praying for the people of our faith communities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are suffering and those who are in trouble. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the concerns of our local communities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray for the beautiful earth you have given to our care. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for the Church Universal, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord God, we lift all this before you, praying for healing, comfort, strength, peace, and wisdom as we pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, that is all for today's devotion. I'm sorry it went a little bit longer than it normally does. We're already at uh, 30 minutes recording time, and it'll be a little (laughs) bit more than that when I add in all the the silence parts. But uh, it was a joy to be with you to talk about uh, Ash Wednesday and all those types of things. So uh, if you have any questions, suggestions, or prayer requests, or would like to share with us some of your own thoughts about Ash Wednesday or these readings, love to hear from you. You can send those to the show email at admin at pastorkurt.com. And so may you go forth today in peace, shining the light of Christ everywhere you go. Until next time, have a blessed day. Bye.